Hi, this is Erica Housekeeper of Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. So over the last several weeks, I've been seeing so many photos on social media of homemade bread that people are baking in their kitchens. I like baking, but I usually stick to the easy stuff like chocolate chip cookies or maybe brownies. But seeing all these beautiful photos on social media, it got me thinking about professional bakers and the art and science of baking bread. One of Vermont's most incredible bakers is Charlie Emmers of Patchwork Farm and Bakery in East Hardwick. Charlie has been a commercial baker since 2001, and he bakes everything from polenta to matzah to country French bread. His everyday matzah, which he's probably best known for, was included in Yankee Magazine's Food Choice Awards in 2019. Charlie lives off a dirt road in East Hardwick in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom. His bakery stands at the end of a long driveway next to his home, which he shares with his family. Hardwick, which includes the unincorporated village of East Hardwick, is located about 25 miles east of Montpelier, Vermont's capital. With a population of about 3,000 people, Hardwick is home to the historic Hardwick Townhouse Performing Arts venue, the funky Buffalo Mountain Co-op and Cafe, and the delicious Positive Pie Pizzeria. Hardwick is this small community where Charlie Emmers has lived and baked for many years. I first met Charlie last year at his bakery to learn about his famous matzah. We caught up again recently to talk about taking a leap of faith to become a baker 19 years ago, the beauty of jumping in feet first, and how Charlie has made a life for himself in rural Vermont. You can learn more about Charlie and his bakery at patchworkfarmbakery.com. So I'm here talking to Charlie Emmers of Patchwork Farm and Bakery in East Hardwick. So hi, Charlie. Thanks so much for being here with me today on this gray April day. Oh, my pleasure, Erica. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you here. So we met last year for the first time when I was writing a profile about you for my Happy Vermonters series. So I got to learn a little bit about you and just wanted to talk to you more about your work and kind of how you're doing right now through all of this crazy crisis that we're going through. So our listeners know you grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and you relocated to Vermont three decades ago. And your career path took a bit of a wandering route from lamp maker to veggie farmer to bread baker. So I'd love to hear about how you went from lamp maker to bread baker. Well, you know, I've been working in this lamp shop past Cambridge, going towards Jericho. Uh, a guy named George Scatcher that hired me. I moved up, and I, after about two and a half, three years of working that job, and it was a really good job, came with really good benefits too. I decided that I just needed a. I felt where I was living where I was kind of in no man's land and a lot of my friends were scattered in other directions. And and I also didn't get a chance to be outside much. So my brother, who lives in Alaska, and he actually farms up there, would always come visit some friends once a year in Vermont years ago who had a farm. And I said, that sounds interesting. I wouldn't mind working on a farm outdoors, good physical work which I've been doing most of my life. So 
I made that jump and I moved out here on a whim, like most of my decisions in my life. And so I just got immersed in the world of organic farming. And I had a garden before. I worked there for five years, three and a half, five years. Started my own market garden in 95, three acres. And I started with a little rototiller and lots of ambition. Working on this farm, at the time they were growing about 40 acres of vegetables. So I was coming from my first experience on a vegetable farm was pretty big. And so I kind of, over the years, learned how to tone it down to what I would need for myself. I got immersed into farming. I did farmer's markets. And then we decided that it was really hard trying to make a go at it. My wife, she's an elementary guidance counselor. So we had that income coming. And I also had two daughters at the time. And I was mostly responsible for raising them when my wife was at work. And so I had the farm and them at certain times of the year, which was definitely tricky but not undoable. I had started making a pickled pepper product that I called poker peppers. They were hot pickled peppers, and we were just about to get immersed into that when the whole bakery thing kind of happened. We were putting up a winter vegetable storage that summer, and over the winter, when that was an empty shell still, we were talking about how hard it is to make a go at it, this farming, and I don't seem to be going anywhere. And So I picked up one of my NOFA newsletters, and there was an advertisement for a workshop on building brick ovens at this farm in East Alstead, New Hampshire, Orchard Hill Farm, which also has Orchard Hill Bakery, I believe the name is. I'm not quite sure. But there was a guy named Alan Scott who was quite famous for reviving wood ovens, mostly in type of, I guess, what would have been a Roman-type wood oven. And him and another gentleman had put a book out called The Bread Builders. And suddenly I'm, like, looking at this, and we're looking at the building out there and thinking, like, maybe we should put one of those ovens in this building and make some bread. <laughs> make a go of that. So it happened to be the right time, actually, to do this because another well-known baker, small bakery down Callis, Upland Bakers, the Rabins, were just starting to take a break, slow down, and they were older anyway, and there was more of a sideline for them. They were, I believe, they taught at Plainfield, at Goddard College in Plainfield, So I went down there and I visited them and checked out what they were doing and looked at their oven. And I went to this workshop in New Hampshire and I just came back so enthusiastic about baking bread in a wood oven. So now I've been to your place, so it's a nice building on your property. What was it before you used it for baking? Was it like a shed or did you have to put an addition on? What was it before? It was basically a new building we were putting up for the purpose of winter vegetable storage because I didn't have a place to store the bulk of my root crops, which I grow, and a place to 
wash greens when it's like snowing out or <laughs> icy out. So it never really became a vegetable storage. It's always been a bakery. It was built to be a vegetable storage. So I kind of had to make up the bakery. It wasn't built, so to speak, to run as a bakery in terms of the setup. I would have set it up totally different had I known. But like most things I do, I just jump into it two feet without thinking about it. Although this wasn't a doing the bakering baking thing wasn't a big jump in, in the terms that I've baked bread most of my life. My mom baked bread, so I kind of learned from her. And all through college, I baked my own bread. So I knew what bread baking was about, but I didn't know what commercial bread baking was about. And so that's been an education for the last 19 years. I just started my 19th year as Patchwork Farm and Bakery, although it's more Patchwork Bakery. The farming took a back seat for a while. Even though you've baked your whole life, and I remember you telling me last year that you baked these incredible chocolate chip oatmeal cookies when you were a kid and bakings in your blood, you say you dive right into things, but it, it must have been a big leap of faith on your part to do this. I guess it was. I didn't see it that way because I thought this is a way I can make more money year-round. I wasn't too worried about my abilities. Although the breads I was baking in college is definitely not anything like what I'm baking now. And I guess it took a leap of faith, mostly for my family. My wife, who has been very supportive of after going through five years of not really making any money, but being able to feed ourselves pretty well with a market garden, and then to jump into this whole baking thing, I didn't even have a business plan. I was going to be Patchwork Farm and Bakery, and I was still going to farm, and I was going to bake bread. And I think at the end of the, not even the end of the first week, at the end of the like the third day, I'm like, what are you, nuts? <laughs> like, how are you going to do this? So the farming took a back seat, the market garden, and my wife held her breath, and my kids, well, they didn't know any better at that point because they were like two and four or thereabouts. Yeah, I just jumped into it. Leap of faith and on. Definitely. A, I guess looking back, like, how did I do that? Right. Pretty incredible. I was talking about it with my, a neighbor about all of this, and we were talking about business plans and this. I go, I never had a business plan. I should have started one. Like, And he goes, Charlie, you've never done a business plan in your life. That's not you. <laughs> right. It's not your style. You know, they know me better than I do. I was thinking at some point, maybe I should re- do everything and trying to figure out, you know, business plan. But by then, it was just too much of a jumble of everything. And who has time for that when you have to bake and work 65 hours a week? Right. The problem with the size I am and where I'm located, it's not a problem. But, and it was the same with my market garden. You're either going to be really small or pretty darn big to make it work pretty smoothly. When you're in the middle... It's hard. There's so many problems that present themselves. How many people do you hire or do you hire? How many people can you afford to hire? And also my location, I'm not in the boonies. 
but to people who may be in the Burlington area, I might be, or all my friends who live in Rhode Island, you know, they come up here to visit. I'm right off of Route 16 and near 15, but still, accounts are a half an hour away sometimes from each other, and that could be hard. So I've learned over the years how far it's affordable for me to go, and what it came down to is basically a half an hour from each direction, north, west, east, south. I don't usually go further than that unless it's somebody else is picking it up. So you've been doing this for 19 years, since 2001. What kind of breads do you make? And maybe that's changed over the years. Has it evolved? It's mostly stayed the same with a few experiments here and there along the way, some successful and some not. Most of my breads are sourdough-based, whether they be bagels or polenta bread, or my country French, which is pan au leven, means it's a sourdough bread. That's a given, if you know the lingo. My whole wheat, my rye breads. A lot of people will ask me, do you have a sourdough bread? And I try to explain to them, they're all sourdough. It's just they're different flavors. And the sourdough is what makes them rise and gives them their flavors and different textures. I do make some breads. I make a challah bread, which is a yeasted bread, although I even tried making that as a sourdough years ago and in too big of a batch, which I found out. So I was giving out a lot of really bad sourdough challah to people. But even they thought it was good. And that's the other thing about the whole baking world. What you deem as as a quote-unquote professional in your business might not want to put out there as a finished product somebody else who's buying it i give people seconds all the time and they say what's wrong with this i go oh it's busted out here too much or got a little crispy there this is perfect like and so their expectations somebody else's expectations of a loaf of bread may be different than the baker and so over the years i've become less picky about like certain things about putting what I put out there to people. Because some people love those breads that look like a turtle, even if they can't make a perfect sandwich bread out of it. They go, hey, look, I got turtle bread. Sometimes I actually try to make, actually after making a loaf of bread that busted out along the edges and stuff, and that was because when you're baking bread and if you don't slash it deep enough, depending on how long it's risen, the bread wants to rise, and so it's going to find its own ways to And so when you see bread like that along like a big kind of wart sticking out the side, I think the French say or somebody says that that's where the loaf tried to kiss the oven. But some people won't put stuff out like that, you know, depending on how bad it is. Uh, I have no problem putting stuff out because people enjoy a little art in their bread, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if I got off this total subject, what you were asking. I can't even remember. Oh, no. No, no, you're good. You're good. And I don't know if you heard my cat meowing in the background. Did you hear him? Was he? No, I missed that. Good. Oh, I'm I'm glad. He's actually was born the year your bakery opened. He was born in 2001. (laughs) I know. Is that a fat cat or? No, I don't know. He just, he just keeps, my other cat lived to be 21. This one is turning 19 in a couple of weeks. So anyway, so he's, he's meowing in the background. So I'm, I didn't know if that was annoying or not. Nope. Okay, good. Oh, we lost our cat Middens a year ago in the fall. 
and I buried her out near the corner of the raspberries where she used to hang out and wait for mice. But we don't have that anymore right now, waking us up at 3 in the morning, standing on us, meowing in our faces. She was about 15 years old. Oh, they and they're brutal at night. As the older they get, they just meow and meow and yeah, it's it's but you know, we love them anyway. So are you with the pandemic and everything, you know, the stay at home order and everything being shut down, are you doing more or less baking right now? Has it changed anything for you? Some accounts have cut back on the days that they get I bake two days a week and like a couple of stores have gone down to one day. One, because they just weren't selling much bread both days. And I just made that decision on my own. And the other just asked me to, just because they're trying to limit their foot traffic. However, from that area where I deliver that account, I've been getting a lot of phone calls. And people have been coming by, placing special orders. You know, Either I meet them somewhere along my route, or they come here and pick it up. But some places have been doing really well with it, and some places haven't done so well but are making their adjustments. And so I think things are starting to settle in a little bit. And also there's some new opportunities. I've been approached by a guy who has a home delivery route, and he's bringing meats, I think milk and cheese, to people's houses, and he wants to offer my bread. So that's an opportunity there, which is pretty nice. And a farm stand that I sell at, they have a CSA, and they're thinking of opening it up to bread. So there are other opportunities out there, and I'm trying to think as well as, like, maybe it's a good time to reinvent myself again. It's been 19 years, you know. And every time I think about how I might do that, I sit down with a piece of paper and whatnot and jot out all these diagrams and, you know, sentences and I look at them and ideas and I just can't think of how to make it work too much differently than I do now. The biggest problem right now also is that I have two part-time employees, well, three I had. One of them is off on another job for the Barden Chronicle and the other two people kind of compromised they wanted to chill at their houses for as long as they need to. And so I'm working mostly on my own. One of my daughters comes in sometimes for an hour or two to help me shape breads, but she also has a lot going on in herself. So, And my wife helps, does a couple of deliveries. But still, I'm putting in like about, you know, probably my 70 hours a week. Wow. There's the baking part of it. But I also have to manage everything else as well. And so that's been a struggle, but that's always been a struggle too. It just makes it a little bit more. But it also makes my resolve a little bit more too. I feel I could get over this hump. And I think I'm in a much better position than a lot of people are. I'm really lucky to be able to work and still do my craft. Yeah, definitely. That's good. And in addition to baking, you also make watercolor prints. So aside from all this working all these crazy hours and running your business, you're also an artist. So I'd I'd love to hear the kinds of things you paint and how you get inspired. I first came to school up in 81 
through 84, I went to Johnson State College when it was still Johnson State College. And I started doing art there, and from there I transferred to the School and Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. So I finished up my schooling there, and when I came back up to Vermont, I've always like been diddling here and there where I could find space. When I was at college, I had a studio space, and I would paint these huge canvases, like really big. And then when I got out of college, I realized I can't haul these things around or store them anywhere. So I started working smaller and smaller. These days, using watercolors, I, I started with oils, but I, I feel like with the t- having to use turpentine and disposing of all that, it's just I don't want to deal with it. So I, I do watercolors and acrylics. My mom, who's a, a sculptor all my life, she's about to turn 90 this summer, She's taught me this type of printing called white line printing. You can take a block, a piece of pine, or you could even take a rubber pad or anything you could carve into. And you do these simple lines, and then you fill it in with watercolor. You have the paper. You put the pigments on the board between the lines, and you rub it hard as you put the paper down. And you keep going up and down, up and down, and then your image comes out. That's a very simplified way of saying it. So I've been doing that, and I've been painting on canvases with acrylic. In the wintertime is the most time I get to do this kind of thing because it's a lot slower in the baking world in the winter than in the summertime, and people are amazed by that just because they think people eat more bread in the winter. But there's not as many people because you have the influx of tourists coming in. Everything else is going gangbusters, usually, and hopefully it will this summer at some point. So the wintertime is my more quiet art time. And I have a little studio in my basement, which has a lot of light, because it's the same place where I'm sitting right now. I have a basement, and then four feet above the basement is a pit greenhouse when I built it. We're facing south, so... Uh, there was a lot of light, at, and even in the winter time, and warms the place really nicely. So I come down here and I paint my canvases. I've been mostly painting birds this winter, doing owls. I have a painting of a a crow that's flying with a bagel on its beak, and this is a painting I've been wanting to do for a few years now since I was out going out to the compost a few years ago. And I saw a crow rising up off the compost, no joking, had a, was flying in the air with a bagel on its beak, that, a bagel that had made its way to the compost. And it's flying with this bagel on its beak to wherever it's going. And I was like, I gotta paint that one of these days. <laughs> so that's what you're working on? That's what I'm working on. I'm working on things like that. And the printing of the watercolor, I've been doing Not so much of that, although I make a lot of cards. My wife sends a lot of cards out, so we print our own cards. And there are things of, you know, simple things of the mountain and the moon and maybe ski tracks coming down through the trees. Where can you get your artwork? I know at the Buffalo Mountain Co-op shows some of your work. Where can we find it? Right now, you can mostly find it in my basement (laughs) or on the walls of my house. I've been getting ready. This winter, I've been painting with a purpose. A friend who has a gallery here in Hardwick, 
I was getting ready to have a show in June. I don't know how much pushed up that's going to be now because of the pandemic. So hopefully sometime this summer people will get to see, if they come to Hardwick, on the third floor of the Hardwick Inn, which is the big yellow building in town. Hopefully that'll be showing my work. Sometimes I put it out on, pieces of my work out on my Patchwork Instagram page. You can see it on my Patchwork Facebook page, too. In fact, I think there's a picture of the crow as my, I can't remember what you call the homepage you have on, but you know that's what you see when you click to it. So sometimes I put them on there. I don't always leave them on for very long. I'll take them off to know that there's nothing permanent in this world. And <laughs> I don't know why I do that, but I just do it. And I guess I, I'm constantly spring cleaning. And so I'm taking things away all the time and then adding other things. Are you starting on your gardening? Are you getting some seedlings ready? Or Yeah. Well, in the basement here, I have, I've been eating greens out of my greenhouse here for the last three or four weeks. So I'm always starting more. Outside, I've mostly been, at this time of year, I'm working in my little apple orchard and my raspberries and blueberries and just doing maintenance to them and, and doing other chores that are required in the spring if you do what I do, I guess. And we have seedlings going that hopefully will get outside at some point if it ever stops snowing. I know. Hopefully it'll be nice. I think a lot of people will be gardening. One thing I'm really happy about right now is uh, I got on my wood. Usually I'm waiting too late in the summer to get my wood. Using a wood-fired oven as part of my bakery. I have a set of gas ovens as well. But this last year after New Year's, I ran out of wood for my bakery. I mean, I could have used more, but that's my house wood too. So I've just been using my gas ovens. I've been building up my wood supply. I got, already got like a log lengths and I got, I use a lot of slab with a local sawmill. I use the bulk of that in my bakery oven. And usually I'm waiting till about late July, August to start cutting the stuff up. But I have a buddy out there right now, and he's almost done with the whole thing. So I'm really excited about that. And then I'm going to get a couple more loads just so I could get ahead of the curve like I used to and and not run out of wood for my wood oven during the best time of year when it is to run a wood oven. Right. Yeah, definitely. So last question for you. We were talking a little bit before about your Instagram page. and Lately, I've seen just everyone seems to be baking and posting pictures of their baking on Instagram and Facebook and people baking bread and wondered if you have any tips for us amateurs who kind of don't know what we're doing. Well, there's lots of information out there now, whether it be in books or on the web itself. And I guess some may be better than others. That would be one place to look. King Arthur is a very good resource for education in the, as well as supplying flowers. They've been really a leader, one of the leaders in educating people about breads and stuff. And so they have a lot of information. You could go to YouTube and see stuff on there. But bread, I guess, could be as simple as you want it to be, or it could be as complicated as you want it to be. And there are a few basic rules to follow. And if you follow those, one workshop instructor, I, I take workshops through the Bread Baking Guild, and that's another source that people could go to is the Bread Bakers Guild of America 
sounds maybe intimidate some people, but it's professional bakers and it's lots of home bakers too, just sharing information. The first book I got into, besides what I learned from my mom, is a book called the Tassahari Bread Book. It's a great book. It's very simple, and there's lots of great recipes in there, not only for breads, but for wicked chocolate mousse uh, recipe in there, I discovered. So there's lots of information in this day and age with what we have, the computers and all, and People call me or stop me all the time and ask me, and I'm very happy to share information because I think it's great that people dabble in that. Even if I lose a customer or two, people get a more of an appreciation of what it takes to do something. Like I'm getting a real appreciation for what it takes to learn scales on a mandolin. So, wow, yeah. I don't know if that totally answers your yeah, question. Yeah, no, it does. Thank you. And there is there's a ton of information out there for us. This last year, I'll say, was the very first. It was held in uh, Middlesex behind Red Hen Bakery. There was the very first Vermont Bread Festival. Oh, yeah. We went to that, and that was a really fun thing. We got to bake matzah in their wood oven that they had built outside for the festival itself, and hopefully more festivals to come. So if people ever, if that hopefully gets to happen again this year, that's a great place for people to check out. And I'm sure it'll be a lot better the second year around. So Charlie, thank you so much for chatting with me. You're just a great guest and you do so many wonderful things and I can't wait to have some of your bread again. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Erica. And thanks a lot. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Happy Vermont podcast. You can find Patchwork Farm and Bakery Bread at select stores around Vermont, including Buffalo Mountain Co-op and Cafe in Hardwick, Hunger Mountain Co-op in Montpelier, City Market in Burlington, as well as other places in New England, including Eastside Marketplace in Providence, Rhode Island, The Natural Grocer in Newburyport, Massachusetts, and The Littleton Co-op in Littleton, New Hampshire. Thanks again for listening to the Happy Vermont podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hello at happyvermont.com. You can also learn more by visiting my website at happyvermont.com. Take care and talk to you soon. 